0: Our reading tonight is from Ephesians chapter 2, verses 11 through 18. Therefore remember that one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ. Alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let me pray. Father, I ask for uh, I ask for the whole. I ask for the, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And and I don't mean just for me. I, all of us. Every one of us stands in deep need, Father, of the personal direct operation of the Holy Spirit. We ask for it, we ask for it for each other, we ask for it. We ask for it completely in the name, and for the glory of Jesus. <sighs> Forgive the sins of the one who speaks, for there are so many. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, see if you can uh, complete this nursery rhyme. Uh, remember, remember. Very good, the 5th of November. Does anybody remember what that is, the 5th of November? It's Guy Fawkes Day. And, and so in, in Guy Fawkes Day on 5th of November, they're celebrating something that happened in 1605. 1605, a bunch of Catholics tried to kill the king by putting a bunch of explosives underneath Parliament. And they got caught. And the guy who was caught was named Guy Fawkes. And uh, the only thing I thought was interesting when I was reading that story was just how old uh, Insurrectionists, it's been around a long time, Here's another one. Um, you can't answer this if you're older than me. What day does this refer to? A day that shall live in infamy. What date was it referring to? All right, some of you guys, some of you guys. You can't, you weren't supposed to say it. You're older than me. I'm trying to restrict the people who are young. You've heard this expression, Never forget. Never forget. It's the kind. It's the kind of inscription you'll find at a Holocaust museum. A well, Holocaust museums. and Holocaust museums are everywhere, and that's very intentional. You know, they're intentionally dispersed dispersed all throughout the world, because there is a there's a there's a goal. Never forget. We must remember. We must remember. But you know, it's funny. You know, we've already forgotten culturally. Guy Fawkes Day. Like that was four hundred years ago. Sure, it's a while. That's a good long time ago, but it's interesting how the mind, the memory, there, there's things we just were so sure we're going to ever remember. Now, you having grown up or gone through, uh, having grown up in a, in, a, in, in a culture where the day that lived in infamy is very present for your mind, but there's a younger generation, it doesn't mean anything. Remember! Remember is this kind of this slogan that happens. It usually happens, actually, on Mount Davidson. You know the beautiful cross on Mount Davidson? That is actually a memorial, a remembrance of the Armenian genocide. And I'll bet you nobody in this room can tell me what year that happened. Oh, Corey, I would have been impressed. But even I, you know, I, I don't know. I it's in the 19th century. Uh, I can't, I couldn't tell you. I don't know. I don't know. I didn't look it up. If only we had little computers in our pockets so we could find out all this information out and look it up. Now, of course, we can, but the, the world tries to remember. There's a, there's a function, there's a desire there to remember. Look at, look at the very first word of our text. It's actually the second word, uh, uh, but in, in the Greek it's first. In the Greek it's first, and that's important because Greek grammar, you can move words around because of the way, they, the, way the words are designed, but when you put a word in front in Greek, when you put a, it, you're saying something dramatic about it. Do you see the second remember? There's a second remember there in in your ESV translation. It's it's in the beginning of verse 12. That second remember does not exist in the text. But why is it there? Well, because the translator, Paul writes these long passages and he did long convoluted phrases. But remember is the command controlling this entire paragraph. It's the imperative. Remember. It's the command. It's in a voice called the imperative voice, a voice we don't even have in our, in our English language. So it's very hard to communicate the urgency, the immediacy, and the power of Paul's thinking, but that's why the ESV writers mention it twice. So you can hear how important it is. That, that double translation is meant to get at the syntax of why he started with the word. They're trying to, they're trying to capture... Paul's syntax, because Paul's saying, remember, in a very bold way. He's making a point of it, as it were. And so do the translators of the ESV. So, so remember, <laughs> it's funny, I to think, just, just right out the gate. I, I, it's, it's funny how weak a word that is in English. When I do communion every week, and I always get to this point, and this always happens, Do this in remembrance of me. Do this and remember me. Remember me is a weak statement in English. In in our English language, to remember me just means like, will you think about me again? Will you remember me? In fact, when Jesus says it in in our translation, that's what it sounds like to me. That is not what it means in the the Hebrew at all. Uh, In fact, one of the Ten Commandments is, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. One of, the, one of the Ten Commandments is a is an imperative to remember. And I don't think that merely means bring up a memory, right? <laughs> like, oh, I, I brought up a memory of the Sabbath, and therefore I no, 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 no. In Hebrew, to remember something is 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 to meditate upon it, is to focus on it. In fact, memory often and the idea or the action of remembering implies a physical act, an external act in the world. So this isn't remembering, like, I picture a very Western response to this text be like, remember, be like, while you're sitting on your, on your day bed, remember what you used to be. Yeah. That's not what it's saying. It's not saying idly think. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. In the mind of Paul and his Hebraic thinking and his and his attachment to the Aramaic and Hebraic language, he is talking about the Old Testament idea. And that is ripe with action. Almost like a remembering that, that acts on what it says. And to remember something is to do something about it. Mm, I love that. That's a lot more. It's a lot more. It's got a lot more punch, doesn't it? And it makes a lot more sense of how Paul could say remember and wants you to capture these truths and apply them. So, remember. So what are we going to try to Remember. What are we going to hope hope to remember today of this command? Three things I'm going to look at here today. Three things. He's calling you to remember. The first thing he wants you to remember is who's the boss. Who's the boss? The second thing he wants you to remember is uh, where you came from. Where where, where you came from. Remember where you came from. And finally, he wants you to remember... Who you are now. He wants, the me- he wants memory to engage the now and the near in the text. He, he wants a, rem- a, memory, a remembering that, is, that you're, you're doing daily. as a function of how you live in the present. It's by living in a memory, a remembering of who you are. In Jesus, so that's 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 the command, and, and that's what we're hoping we'll we'll learn something about tonight as we come together. The only other notes that I want to engage in here is uh, this is a little tricky for me in one sense. This memory, remember, is given to a group. It's, it's all in the plural. It's in the plural, and I think that's important because there's things we remember as a group that we don't necessarily remember individually. We're committed to certain things as groups to memory. And that's an important part of the Bible is a memory of a community. So as much as I can, I want to keep talking about that. Although it can be very personal, or it's personally, so you should remember personally too. But there's something else here and I'm hoping I have the power or the wisdom to be able to suss some of that out for us so we can, as a community of faith, engage in a memory exercise or remembering together. And So the first thing God calls us out the gate here, I think, immediately is to remember, remember who's the boss. Remember who's the boss. Do I, why do I bring this up? Well, I bring it up because of the way the text begins. Remember that you were once the uncircumcision by those who are called the circumcision. And what, what is this? What is this describing? I don't know what your literacy is or your awareness of this situation in the New Testament but the church is filled with racial tensions, (laughs) racial and religious tensions, because Jews and Gentiles, people of completely different backgrounds, were were coming together to try to work together, love together, live together, and worship God together, and it was not easy. It was rife with uh, misunderstanding, condescension, self-righteousness, Oh, tons of problems, tons of problems, right? But one of the things that, one of the things that kind of rises right here is the problem of there being a chosen people. You know, a lot of you know. Uh, do you know that a lot of people who aren't the chosen people don't like that? There are people in this world who call themselves the chosen people, because when somebody says I'm a chosen person, what are they saying about you? Well, you were skipped. <laughs> you you weren't chosen, right? In fact, this. Characteristic of the Jewish people comes right out of the scripture. And that's so why I would say, remembering who's the boss. Because God, dispense, he, has this, he has this, he calls, he called a people, and he, he called a people, what was, what was the expression I used? A people and a, uh, and a, darn it, my, my own notes are not making sense to me here. Yeah, a people and a, ugh. was that? I don't want well, my own notes, I can't read it. Circumcision or uncircumcision. Anyway, he has a people for himself and a plan. Now, the thing about this is it, it created this animus. It, it, inside, if people, people who are Jewish would, also, would, would have a certain kind of conceit about it. And they weren't even apologetic about it. They would tell people, you know, I'm chosen and you're not. I mean, that was a distinguishing claim, and it made... To me, the Jewish people very unpopular. <laughs> a lot of people in the, in, early, in the first century. That unpopularity exists all the way to today. That concept of being chosen, it, 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 it upsets people. People don't like it. People get angry about it. So why did God do it? I mean, why, why, why have a certain people? When Genesis 12, he starts this relationship with Abraham. He says, I'm going to bless the world through you, right? And I'm going to give you a right. I'm going to give you a ritual that's gonna be your reminder. I'm gonna cut, have you remove the foreskin off the end of your penises. That's quite a reminder, by the way. <laughs> Talk about a mnemonic device. I would prefer a string around my finger, personally, but, right, but that was, that was a memory tool, as a memory aid for remembering who they were. Remembering they were set apart, remembering they were chosen, remembering they were God's special people. <sighs> and so, from the beginning, It's just kind of offensive. It's it's saying some people are in, and some people are out. Can you think of something more offensive in this age? There's people inside and outside? There's an in-group and an out-group, according to God? Yeah, in fact, not to put too fine a point on it, The reason that God originates in his plan a particular people was to always make the point that it's his choices, it is his choices that matter when it comes to those who are saved. Period. God is not apologizing for this. It's a binary system. And our Father doesn't apologize. What do you have to remember first? What's the first thing in this text? You have to remember who's the boss. You have to remember the, who's the boss and who makes the plan, who makes the choices. Who chooses the people It's the Lord. This inviolable nature of his, this sovereign grandeur that he has in his person, is, is, he can't, it can't be removed from him. It's who he is. It's, it's actually who he is to be this kind of person. You know, uh, what I think we're called to do in this generation is to make sure we're drawing the right lines all the time. Every week, I put up a fence at communion. You know that. I don't like doing it. It's not something I want to do, to tell people there's some people that shouldn't come to communion, some people that should. But I have to, because there's an in and an out in the kingdom, and my Father makes it clear. And you're supposed to remember that there was a time when you weren't in, and now you are. You see, that there's a transition that happens. There's two different kingdoms, and that's the way it is. Do you remember this? It's funny, this, this generation constantly presents you, no, 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 aren't there 50 options spiritually? Come on, hey, can't, we, can't we all, can't we create a better option set set than simply, come on, binary systems are, they don't really work, they don't handle the complexity of life, do they? Do they really, is your life really black and white? Is you, do you, re- and you know, of course the challenge of the challenge and, Those challenges become moral challenges. You know, of course, one of the best ways to get away with something immoral is to start shading truth and asking questions that make you wonder, is there anything objective? Or is there a black and a white here? Is there a wrong and a right? Is there an in and out? The Lord says, yes, there is. One of our works in this age is to make sure we draw our lines right and we understand them. And that's very important. Whenever I draw that fence of communion, what do I always say? God accepts sinners. He rejects good people who think they're good. Those lines must be drawn in the kingdom. It's a a line we have to draw as community. Your past, one of the reasons you need to pray for your elders all the time is because when those lines get crossed, they have to learn wisdom about how to correct things. Lines are everywhere, guys. I'm encouraging you that our Father's kingdom, you're a part of, remember this stuff. Remember this. We need to remember as a community this is a part of who we are. Okay, let's go on. So right here at the beginning, right right in the text, it engages us immediately. There's a purpose and a function that God had by having an uncircumcised group and a circumcised group that he was going to slap together. In Jesus. Now let's go a little, let's go, let's go to the next thing we are called to remember. If we we do remember that this is who this God is, then we have to remember where we came from. Because we all came from outside to the inside. Remember where you came from. Remember, remember, did your mom ever say that? My mom, that's the kind of thing my mom used to say. I think moms have been saying that for thousands of years. I think there's probably not a culture on the earth that a mom has not said that to. Remember where you came from, young man. Remember where you came from. Remember who you are. Remember where you came from. Uh, Don't act too big for your britches. There you go. Somebody's heard that before. It's not surprising that it's you, Corey, is it? Now this is interesting, I just want to bring up a little point. Some of you are familiar with Philippians 3.13, forgetting what lies behind, right? Paul talks about having reached for the goal, the upward call. He forgets what lies behind. So are we supposed to forget or remember? <laughs> what am I supposed to do? What do you, well, why is the scripture giving me mixed messages here? And, and that can be a little challenging, I know, but I think we can walk into this in a, in a really beautiful way, a really beautiful way. All of us have a data point. We have memories of things we've done and been, places we've been, things we've said. Now, a lot of those memories, they're like, they're like data points to us. And, and those data points, there's one sense in which we are never to use those data points. We're never to use those data points of our past failures before Jesus to tell us anything about who we are today. And I mean anything. Your identity from before Christ to after Christ are so severed because you were recreated in Christ, there's no connection with that person. That person, there's no connection between you. You can never use one of those data points from you before Christ as as a useful data point about who you are. That's the forgetting. It's not useful. When you forgive somebody else, you obviously can't forget what they said, right? But when you forgive it, you're saying it's no longer a useful data point. In any future conversation, I've surrendered it. That's the forgetting I'm doing. Yeah, forgetting, then, is an active practice. It's not a passive one. It's, it's actively not using things that you could. So what is remembering? Remembering is taking that same data point and realizing what it says about God. <laughs> you, see, you see, all these data points in your life all say things about different things, right? They say things about you, right? And in the end, I think the You're ultimately not going to learn anything from those. But what it says about our God and his grace. Were you consumed when you were disobedient at that time? Were you, you Corey, when you said that thing? When you you went to that place, my sister? No! In fact, what do you have? You have an ongoing testimony of an abundant, present grace constantly (laughs) made available to you all the time in Jesus. You see, that's the data point. Remember that. You were once a wicked, wicked man, a wicked woman. And our Father never judged you. He never gave you what treated you as you deserved. He was always kind to you. According to your deed. Praise Him. You see, there's something to discover there. There's something to discover about who you are. But more than that, even more, I don't even think we've touched it yet. You know, it's funny. The remembering is deep. There's something about this remembering. There's something active engagement. And I have this idea, these past memories become data points for other people. You see, we're we'll remembering as a community, right? This is for others. You know what I think you need to do? I think you need to do what Peter did. I need to get on the bandwagon with what David did. You need to get double down and do what Paul did. And that's this. Find your scandal and tell people about it. Well, you've all got a scandal somewhere. You've all got a wickedness buried in you. Something you did you're afraid to tell people about. Something that you're ashamed of. Something that you think will ultimately lead to people asking you to leave (laughs) this room or this community. You know what's a shame? Those dark, dark places are often the places of deepest healing for others in our community. Because those are the places where people finally hear, oh, God really does love sinners like because he loved a sinner like Corey or like Sarah. She's just like me. I have hope. Guys, 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 the reason I have hope, and continue to be a minister, is because Peter told me, and everybody else, what a complete and utter tool he was! I mean, talk about a bankrupt moron! So bankrupt morons like me 2,000 years later can still preach, right? <laughs> because his story tells me who Jesus is. My story now tells you who Jesus is and his love. And I can... You know, sometimes I, I, I really want to complain to God about the sin that he has left in my soul and all the failures I, I, I've experienced in my life. And then I discover that Again and again, this is this is something life-giving to other people. That I suffer like this? That this is life giving? Alright, okay, Father. I'm like No, I'm more, I'm more joyful than that, right? No, this is life-giving, right? No, there is joy to have here, because even as I behold my shame, I find an advertisement and a shout and a declaration of the glory of the Most High God. He loves me. He's full of grace. Praise him. I I know I know why God called me to San Francisco, because he needed a really big sinner for the city. Praise him. I hope to be able to tell people about this. It's not easy by the way. There was a girl in my church in Atlanta, and she I knew her story. And she had felt a burden. She's like, I feel a burden, I need to give a testimony. No, 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 That's, that, wasn't, that wasn't it, that wasn't it, no, that wasn't it. I challenged her about her testimony to give it. She'd been a stripper. And she was mortified about, but she knew my story. i have been raised by, I'd been raised in that world, right? You guys know that story. You don't know that, Jason, but I was raised by that. Raised in that world. But. And so I was super excited. I was like, you've got to get your story out there. This is, it's a great story. And she's like, well, her husband was, um, her husband reminds me of Jack. Very similar personality to Jack. Very, very, very sweet helper kind of person like that. He was not at all sure. He wanted the church to hear about his wife being a prostitute and a stripper. I get it. Who <laughs> what? She cried. She start. She was. Bald. What was that? Was one time she just bawled? I can't do this. Sir. I can't do that. I can't do this. That was 15 years ago. You can look up her ministry online. It's called Victorious Friends. She blew it out of the park. Oh my goodness. She became started an entire ministry to strip clubs in Atlanta. Praise God. Boy, it was hard. It was shameful. It was embarrassing. It was life. It was life to so many people. Are you too proud to be life to other people? That's a shame. It's a shame because... If you could find your scandal, whatever it is, and publish it about God's grace, I think we'd have much more, much more life, much more joy, much more access to grace, that's for sure, much more sense of, wow, this is an amazing God, what a God, look at how he saves. Find your scandal, y'all. Remember where he came from. In this text, by the way, separated from Christ without hope, without God in the world, alienated, strange, I mean, bam, bam, bam. We're going to go into more depth in some of that language in the weeks ahead. Remember who you are now. Look at verse 10. There's a wonderful, there's a wonderful, no, but verse 10 was previous to this chapter, duh. Verse 14. <laughs> no, no, not verse, 14. verse 13, sorry. I know where I am. Verse 13. Look at verse 13 now. But God now, but now God. But now God. Also, the word's near in that, isn't it? The word near is in that, that sentence. God is now and near. And there's this wonderful disruptive sense. Remember now, He is near. Like this, He's inviting you not merely to remember where you were, and remember what kind of God you're worshiping, and who this God is. No, no, now, right now, right now, right now. Where are you at now? We are now, we are near. We're near that You want to snuggle? Wanna snuggle with Jesus? Might as well, because that's how near he. John got to snuggle with him. I envy John that. But it's the promise of the tenderest intimacy. You know, we've been. You know, we know all these prepositions I'm always telling you about, and we take an eternal God, an everlasting God, a God greater than the span of the known universe, and yet we describe His presence in this room with prepositions. He's in me. I'm in Him. We're like, where He's, he's before me and behind me. You know, that way David's bumping into Him in Psalm 139. And he's around me and He's on me and He's. So. One of the things I was really excited about, when we were back in John, especially John 17, Christ's prayer, remember the transitive power of holiness? And the whole idea was, this is a beautiful idea, if you are in Jesus, if you believe in Jesus, you're in Jesus, but Jesus is in God. So therefore, if A is equal to B, and B is equal to C, then A is equal to C. What does that mean? If I am in Jesus and Jesus is in God, that means I'm right in God myself. That's how that, that's the fun that's the foundation of your hope. All of us. That's, that's what makes it real. That's how the cross can be effective. You are in him. That's how its blood can be effect, on you, uh, uh, can, can cleanse your sin because you're in him. There's a union, there's an intimacy that's happened, right? Okay, what's kind of cool about this though is the transitive power winds up being completely distributed of all of us. So what happens is like this. So it's, it's me and Ted and Corey in him who's in God. So we are all three in God together. That's what this text is Look at the one. Look at the one. He talks about this union in the word one. The first... One, the first references in verse 14. He just says, he just uses one that he calls about one new man in verse 15. One body in verse 16. One spirit in verse 18. And we're going to unpack this oneness and what it means. But, but it's, not, it's not a goal here. It's not a goal for us to be one. That's not what it's talking about. It's talking about what God has made. It's a, declare, it's a declaration of what we are. One. Now, and I, I guess what I wanted to end with is Remember, remembering... Who we are now is remembering a a source of joy and hope right now and present right now. In other words, so if I'm called to remember, then I am by default in this sermon reminding you, and you better, you all better be reminding me by the time I forget next week. Because guess what, my my brain's like sand, and I write things in it all the time, and then a wave of trouble comes by, and all of a sudden it's all erased. Anybody else like this? Anybody else? Find spiritual truth tends to float in and out of their brain like this. So what I, I need, Sean, to remind me. I need Deepak to remind me. I need me. I need y'all. And you need me to remind you. And this is why we go to worship every week. This is why communion is such a regular ritual. What's this? This is a remind, remember, and and our remembering is it's, it's this active living engagement, isn't it? Something happens here. You see, that's why this worship get together. It ain't about you coming to listen to me. It's about us feasting on our God. Filled up with our God together. Together. And you know what we've become in the moment, or even in this moment, where we're here in this moment right now? We're greater than the sum of our parts. We're greater than just a collection of people. Why? Did you hear it? He created one new man out of this. Now, I want to end with something on this. And it's a challenge even to my heart. This, this, doesn't you see how this how we're supposed to regard each other now? Get this. Gossip. Gossip. Gossip and gospel can't be in the same mouth. A uh, gospel is telling you the good news about Jesus. Gossip is telling you the bad news about Caleb. <laughs> right? But here's the problem. If I am we are all, each one of us, together in him, in one new body, and we are in God. We are in Jesus. I, I, I encourage you, if you're critical of people or you find yourself wanting, wanting to say something, a big or bad report about anybody, I want to encourage you. Test this. Would you say what you're about to say? Would you say what you're about to say about Ted or Sarah or me? Would you say whatever you're about to say? Would you say it about you? Because, because, in that moment, we, we have an accountability here, right? We have an accountability of what we say and how we regard each other. And who, the woman who sits here is a princess of the Most High God, unutterably holy. Unutterably... Good grief! And we ought to regard her as such. And same with my wife, and same with Caleb, and same, all of them, all of us. And yet, yeah, 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 we'll, we'll make little comments about one another. Or we'll despise each other, or we'll ignore each other, or we'll hold each other in a contempt or frustration. But in this text, you see, and this is what reaches across the racial hatred and the racial problems of that age and even this age, is reaching across with a new identity and seeing and cherishing and adorning each other with that identity and seeing it. And really seeing, I just see tens everywhere I go. I see tens, the, these are the gifts of my God. These are his reflections. We are in him. Remember this stuff. Remember. <laughs> Remember. I have a bad memory. You guys know that. I tell you, I forget everything. Everything's all the time. I'm so glad that this command here and this work, though, it's not about my personality. This is a work of the Holy Spirit, you see. This is, transcends personality. You may say, I'm a very forgetful person. This, this text doesn't take that into account. It doesn't matter to this text. This text is about spiritual life, it's about what the Spirit creates and what God creates by His Spirit in His children when they cry out by faith Give me this, Father. Access by one Spirit to the Father, right? that we're all going to our Father together to ask for this for one another. Oh, all right. Let's pray now. Father, we come. Teach us to remember. Some of us are very forgetful. But we surrender that excuse because we know we are filled with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit doesn't forget who he is. He doesn't forget who you are. And never forgets Jesus. Father, teach us this remembering. This, this remembering that, that 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 fills us with identity. That's so useful. Teach us to remember you and your grandeur. If you draw lines and we, it is up to us to obey them. But in your grandeur, as we remember your grandeur, we remember where we came from. Yeah, we were without hope, without God in this world. But now we remember who we are now. And as we remember who we are now, we're we're just filled with thanksgiving and joy and a sense of relief and hope in you. Father, we ask for this work by the Holy Spirit this night. We ask for it to, to penetrate our Tuesdays and our Wednesday and, and Wednesdays and, and out into our lives. A deep remembering. A deep remembering as a community and as believers. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.